What's up, world? One way that you can support the show is by liking and subscribing on any platform you're listening to. And don't forget to check out our Clips channel on YouTube. Thank you for supporting the show. We at The Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey everybody, what's up? I am Cameron. And I'm Willie. And this is The Other Side of Hell. Yes, it is. Welcome to it. Yeah. How are you, buddy? I'm so good. It's good to see you today. I'm feeling great. Good. Yeah. Can't believe we're still doing this. Yeah, you look good. Oh, thanks. Your face has these lines. <laughs> it's old... Did you know your face had lines? No, but I was looking at pictures the other day and I was like, fuck, man, I was puffy. Yeah. I was a little puffy. Yeah. I'm getting a little less puffy. You are. I appreciate that. Yeah, you are definitely getting a little I'm less gonna puffy. I'm going to get these lines like you got. That's I've had work. those lines before. It's really, it's really weird. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, for anybody that's listening or watching, you can go on to Cameron Eats Less Food on Instagram and look at a before he was fat, when he was fat, after he was fat, and, and his progression back yeah. down. So there's like... There's, there's five faces of Cam on there. Yeah. But then I have the before and after, like the, the, the unhealthy before and after. Mm-hmm. And that before picture, I got them lines, bro. Yeah. I got them lines on my face. Yeah. It's weird when you feel your body moving in a different way than it's ever moved before. You're like, oh, that fat roll's moving in now instead yeah. of out. <laughs> Does it make you mad? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to enjoy the process yeah. of it and just kind of accept that, it, you know, certain states of mind put me in certain places in life. And so depending on where I'm at with that state of mind is kind of depending on where I'm at with my life. So Right. Might as well enjoy it. Well, and the thing is, is, you know, it's like what I try and think about is that it's, it's, it's not something that's, that is just temporary. Mm -hmm. Right. So I got to enjoy the process because it's just how things are now. Yeah. So can't, can't, it's not like you can stop. Yeah. I mean, I could, but I think so. Yeah. But it's not, it's not going to benefit me at all. Yeah. It just, it just sends me backwards. Yeah. I mean, no sense of getting mad about it. I mean, I just might as well move forward. But if I use that fuel, if I use that anger. Yeah. And anger is a good motivator. Yeah. It can be. It can be. Yeah. It's worth saying. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, Willie. Today, I want to talk to you about anger. I feel like lately um, there's just been a lot of instances in my life where where it seems like anger is coming up. Mm. And I don't mean like I'm getting angry at a lot of things. It just seems like the emotion of anger has been brought up a lot in my social circles. People are talking about anger. Collectively. Yeah, collectively. And it's like, you know what? Like, we, we, we should talk about anger. It's yeah. a thing, you know? Like, I, yeah. I remember when, when I think about anger, I think about, um, you know, certain instances in my life where I was drinking and using and I was a very, very angry person, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think under the influence, yeah, under the influence or just in that environment, that sort of toxic environment, that toxic line of thinking. Um, what, I mean, what, when, when I say anger, do you think about instances in your life now or do you most commonly reflect back to 
you know, when you were drinking. I, I think about now for yeah. sure. Like, but I, it's, I find it so unnecessary to be angry about anything right now, but I still get there. Sure. You know, it's just, it's a lot different than it used to be. And it's funny how addicting anger was for me at one time. You know, I think I just ran around angry at the world. I, I even like when I left my ex-wife, I, I put my handle or, or my name on my cell phone. So when you got a text from me, it said, you know, the message. And then it said, bitter, bitter, man. Because you want it like you were just putting it out there for anybody that you were communicating with. Well, I was kind of using it as part of my identity at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was justifiably angry sure. at, at the lot that life had given me, you know, because I was a victim at the time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't taking a whole lot of responsibility. And, and, and in all fairness, you know, I think there's a lot of times in life situations where we, we're going to become angry at certain things, especially when our expectations of other people or other people's behaviors are, are, were let down on our expectation of them, you know? And so anger, I think is a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a long time to kind of get a handle on uh, being able to deal with anger constructively or, or get through it without acting out or making situations worse and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when you, when you brought up anger, I thought about how does, how does anger affect me today? My anger. Right, right. Well, and, and, and that's just the thing is like, I, I like what you said there where, you know, like how do we deal with anger constructively? And, and just to give sort of some insight into you know what it was like and what what it's like now like when 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 i think about anger of course i think about i probably most commonly think about driving because that seems to be like the instance where i get most angry or i see sort of that version of myself the the most right um but when i was when i was you know back in the day when i was still in the depths of the disease you know, I, I obviously, because this just sort of comes with the territory, I found myself in some really unhealthy relationships. And in these relationships, there were a lot of, a lot of holes in walls, a lot of holes in doors, a lot of dented, you know, car doors, a lot of broken windows, just a lot of, a lot of signs of my aggression everywhere in the relationship. Sure. And, and those all came from me trying to control a situation that I had no control over. Mm-hmm. And anytime I was met with um, an instance of, you know, me not getting my way or, or me trying to have this person feel a certain feeling towards me that they refused, um, I would get mad. I would get angry and I would lash out. And, and it all just sort of combined with all the other behaviors that I was doing that just made me absolutely, absolutely hate myself, mm-hmm. right? Because nobody likes that version of themselves. I mean, maybe some people do. Maybe you did when you were identifying as that, you know? <laughs> but I hated that part of me. Like, I didn't like it when I got angry. Right. And then when I, you know, like when the, uh, the adrenaline sort of settled down, I would look at my situation and my actions and be like, what the hell was that? Like, yeah. What kind of person am I? Embarrassed. Yeah, exactly. And ashamed. And, and just like every other action in my life at that point in time, like it was just another thing to hate myself for. Right. You know, like now I'm able to sort of process things a little bit differently, you know, like with, 
with my wife. And again, she's my wife and this is why I married her because we are so compatible, you know, but there's definitely instances where, you know, something will happen and, and maybe I'm, you know, I have un, unrealistic expectations or, you know, I, I've put her on a pedestal and sort of set her up for failure and she lets me down somehow, or she'll say something, you know, that I have decided to take offense to in that moment, you know, or whatever the case is, maybe I'm extra sensitive that day. Yeah. And, and, and I can feel me wanting to react the way that I used to react. I can feel that deep down. And I usually just step backward, take a deep breath, and then choose my words, you know? Like, I don't let myself immediately react. And, yeah. I, and I won't say that I, like, I do this all the time. I would say that I do this a good, a good portion of the time, you know? And this is how I'm able to respond to those instances today. Hmm. And, you know, the difference from then to now is obviously I've removed a lot of things from my life, and that includes drugs and alcohol. Big one. Yeah. And, and you know, doing so has allowed me to get to a place where I can hopefully encounter those situations with a bit of grace. Yeah. You know. But what would you say, like, how, how do you process anger now, these days? Uh, well, I, I mean, I live a program, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't just work a program anymore. Um, and so, like, living a program is, is taking daily inventory of myself and seeing how certain situations make me feel. And so, like, my sponsor, he always brings up the fact that, like, when I first when I first got sober, he wasn't my, my first sponsor. This guy, you know, he was on the show a few episodes ago, and um, he was actually a counselor at the, at the aftercare treatment center that I was court-ordered to go to. And I went in there for an anger problem, not for drugs and alcohol problems. That's what, he, that's what he says all the time. I remember you came in for an anger problem. And uh, he was right. I had a lot of anger towards the world. And, and it would manifest itself in so many different ways. You know, when I, a lot of times when people hear the word angry, they think of this like raging, this violent. And that's not always necessarily the case. You know, a lot of times, you know, we can internalize our anger and self-destruct. And so, and, and that's a quiet anger too, you know, and, and that was some of it for me. It wasn't always just this rash, this, this lash out anger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was this internal and a lot of it was towards myself, right? Because I had this, this inner hatred for myself and I was just angry for my inability to control my behavior or my intake of things and Mm -hmm. feeling uh, unconfident in all these situations. And so that's what, that's what it took was a process. Right. And so now I, I, fortunately I've done enough work to where I can look at and I can feel when the anger is coming up and right. I can play the tape through. Right. Yep. I can, I can see where like, especially being a father, I can see where the way I react to certain situations, I'm being watched and judged, you know, on how I'm going to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And so if I got my seven year old watching me in traffic and, and you know, that's a great example. I, I start, start feeling the slow guy in front of me doing 10 miles an hour in a 50 and I can't figure out what his deal is. Mm-hmm. And I start freaking out on it. He's going to go, okay, well, my dad's feeling this certain way. I guess this is how we're supposed to react to that. Right. And so taking responsibility for the way I behave when I feel that way helps me 
to, to step back and go, okay, how do I want to deal with this emotion? Because honestly, I think anger is kind of a wasted emotion. Um, I think we can, we can flip it around, but there's a lot of energy that goes into anger, man. Like a lot of like powerful energy. Oh yeah. And if we can redirect that and use it in a constructive way, that's probably the best way to handle your anger Mm -hmm. is, you know, like, like do something with it. And hopefully what comes out of the other side of it, like for me, a lot of things that used to make me angry, don't make me angry anymore. Give a fuck anymore. Right. You know, I don't, uh, I'm not perfect in traffic, but for the most part, I'm the guy pissing everybody off now. Like, fucking hurry up. Yeah. I <laughs> drive <laughs> like a granny. Um, I just don't want to waste that kind of energy on, on negativity anymore. Right. You know, and I think it's a process. You know, I definitely couldn't have been like this when I was 20 because I was still spring loaded to the pissed off position. Yeah. 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 I really, I really like that. Yeah, spring loaded in the pissed off position. <laughs> so, yeah, get set off like that over the dumbest shit. You know, right. is is what I'm trying to to accomplish really going to work with this behavior? You know, mm-hmm. usually not. Like I've never I've never gotten in a fight and been angry about it, and it turned out to be a good thing. You know, I've never screamed at anybody, and they've been like, you know what, that that was exactly what I needed right now. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that you say that because, you know, like when we when I, when I think about it, like has anger ever served me well? Like has there ever been a situation that I've been angry at, you know, where where the outcome was better because I responded to that anger in a negative way? Um, you know, and, and the answer is no. Like there's been situations that I've probably used a little bit of anger to fuel some change. That, that's that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And that is is obviously a positive response. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, never, never in my life has, have never in my life has there been a situation where I've become angry and, and in retrospect been okay with it. Mm -hmm. In fact, the majority of the times that I apologize to my wife are because I've been angry, (laughs) you know, like the majority of the times that I say, I'm sorry to somebody, it's because I was angry over something. Yeah. And it was something that I had no control over. And, you know, that I'm completely powerless over that I wanted a different outcome from. Mm-hmm. And that angers me. And I'll lash out in a negative way and then I'm stuck, you know, apologizing for it. Yeah. But at least I'm able to recognize that today. Like, usually almost right after it happens. Like, you know what? I didn't need to say that in that way. I'm really sorry. Like, you know, and, and make amends for it immediately. Yeah. And so, and sometimes we can feel that happening now in our thought, like, like, okay, here, here it comes. I see you. I Mm -hmm. fucking see you. And you're not, you're not going to control my day. Right. You know, right now. And Mm -hmm. we can, we can start the, the, the process of, of shutting that shit down right away. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. I think because like, I, I agree. Um, there, there has been moments of, where I felt angry that I was able to process through that anger and look at what the situation was, was really was at the time and then come to a a positive conclusion on how to deal with that. Right. And so like, it seems like money is a good one in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, time is a good one in a relationship. Uh, you know, uh, when you say time, 
like how to spend your time together, together okay. or separately or mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. should be on the account on the calendar, um, forgetting things like, Oh, by the way, I have this right now oh, and sure. I, and I need you to, mm-hmm. I need you to step in and take care of what you weren't expecting to have to step in and take care of. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, having those things. So like, for instance, um, in, in our house, we've kind of structured everything around uh, our finances where for a long time, Avery stayed home with the kids. You know, she gets to go out and train, be a trainer at a gym now and, and get out of the house because all the kids are old enough to be in school and, and she can fill up her time that way. And so for a long time, um, I would just make the money, put it in the bank account, and then she would distribute it out to household finances however they needed to be distributed and when whenever that didn't like fall in place and I was struck with because it, it, it was hard for her when I was struck with uh we need more money <laughs> like unexpectedly right you know anger would pop up right and and I didn't always handle that the right way and what ended up happening was if I lashed out in anger about it in a situation that I created right like like I I could have chosen to take on all the bills and like allocated all the money and and all that but we wanted a partnership so um whenever i would act out negatively towards her it would fucking shut her down right Mm -hmm. and now she doesn't trust me to be able to come to me with these types of problems right right And, and so that's a negative outcome so enough enough practices at that because i didn't fucking do it perfectly right off the rip right like it was it was a process because she would come to me with a financial issue. Uh, I wouldn't be expecting it. So she would be going through and like figuring out, okay, when's the best time to tell him this? Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to be that fucking guy. Right. You know, I don't want to be that kind of husband, even though I have been. Um, and so she's, she's going through this thing. Now our energies are at different levels because she's worried about how I'm going to react to this situation that I helped create. Right. And so finally she comes to me out of fear and necessity. Right. Like, like here, we got to deal with this. Mm -hmm. I react negatively. She shuts the fuck down. Now she doesn't trust me. Now we don't have an open line of communication, which is absolutely impossible to have a, a working and harmonious relationship without, you know, workable communication. Right. And so like the whole thing just, became a mess because of my inability to react properly in that situation. So after enough times of that, you know, it made me feel bad. Mm -hmm. Luckily, like I never felt great. Like you were saying, like, Oh, you know, me fucking making her feel like shit has made me feel so great. And Mm -hmm. now that was definitely the right thing to do. Processing it and being prepared, knowing that it's going to come next time because you're going to be in fucking traffic. You're going to have financial shit come up. You're going to have situations that you're unex- that, that are unexpected happen in your life. After enough times of practice with that, it gets a little bit easier to come up with the solution and expect that feeling to come up and go, okay, I remember how this felt and I remember how I reacted and I remember how me reacting made me feel let's try something different. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what program and process is, right. Trying something, hopefully it works. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't try it again. Mm -hmm. Because the good thing about all this stuff 
Because we always have the opportunity to try it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're never we're never short of opportunities to to rectify our situations or our actions. Yeah, and try it again. You know, through something that you say a lot, which is a process of experimentation. Well, I know that this did not work well for me last <laughs> time, so this time I'm going to try a different process. Yeah, you know. And I really liked what you were saying because as I think about fear, it really, it becomes more and more apparent to me of just its primitive nature, mm-hmm. right? Just, just this notion that we are sort of instilled with this and much like fight or flight, which serves a, a purpose in our life, um, or it did, you know, primarily back in the day. And when I say back in the day, I mean like back in the year, <laughs> back in the thousands and thousands yeah. of years ago. Um, but you know, and anger too serves a purpose. And, and when I think about it, it's because I, I, we've been in situations in our lives. Um, you and I recently, you know, with certain individuals who responded with, to something with anger in order to, you know, prevent us from, from, a a. a I want to say like an additional behavior, right? Like, so people might get angry at certain things as a mechanism, as a defense mechanism to prevent any further discomfort. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't like what you're making me feel right now. So I'm going to respond in anger. So you know, never to make me feel this way again. Right. And I think that's where it becomes, you know, sort of this, this, this thing that's ingrained in us as you know, a response to certain actions, like this is very uncomfortable for me. So I'm going to show you anger so that you'll be afraid. I want you to fear me in this instance so that you know, never to do this to me again. (laughs) And I never have to feel this way again. Yeah. You know? Um, and I've been there and I, and I guess from that sort of perspective, it, it it makes sense from a primitive standpoint. Right. Not to say that it's justified in that way, because obviously there's better ways to, to handle a situation like that, um, which is something, you know, that you said is basic communication. Like, obviously, a better way to handle that situation is to say, what you're doing right now is making me very, very uncomfortable. And in fact, I'm getting angry. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you're not right to bring this to me. It just means that this is my response. I mean, in, in retrospect in talking about it, like it's very easy to just talk our way through these situations. Yeah. Like, like, Oh, well, this is how I would handle like how, it. How dope would the world be if we all just talked like yeah, that? If we all, hey, Sorry, listen. I feel very afraid right now. And- right. Can you just see like all these protests out there where it's like, you know, just these two opposing sides that are protesting and being like, I understand your position, but <laughs> This is how you're making me feel right now. <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable. I'm very uncomfortable and I don't like it because I'm full of fear. I'm full of fear because I was dropped on my head as a child and my father never loved me. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it does. And unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Uh, I don't know. Like I've never seen it that way, but right. Uh, so we don't know if it works that way. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't know if it works that way, but uh, yeah. we, we know that that's not how generally. It's not what we're seeing. Yeah, it's not what we're seeing. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I just really appreciate that aspect of it because I think the one thing that I probably have a, a, a bad habit of doing is immediately condemning myself when I get angry. Sure. It's like, oh, I, I'm angry over this. Why am I angry over this? Well, because, you know, I'm, I'm worthless. Like, because of course it makes me mad. Like, 
you know, I, I get mad over the stupidest and smallest things because, you know, like I'm just a defective individual, you know, and I can really, I can really run away with those thoughts and those thinking into a really, really negative place if I let it. And it's like, anger is not a bad emotion to feel. Anger is a natural emotion. Like my response to the anger is what makes the difference. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so if I'm able to process that anger and process that situation in a very, very healthy way, which has not always been the case, doesn't always happen. And luckily, you know, like the majority of the time it might, you know, um, but if I'm able to do that, then I'm leaving that situation feeling much, much better about myself, mm-hmm. much, much better about the situation. And even if it is something that I don't like or that I don't agree with, at least I know that my response to it wasn't going to tear me down even further than that action might already. Right. You know. And I think the other thing that I really, really think about when, when I think about anger is, is it feels kind of selfish. Okay. And, I, and I guess when I say that, like I'm thinking specifically of a, a driving situation, like, you know, somebody cuts me off or somebody's driving slow or, or somebody's, you know, does some jackass move that of course I, you know, it ticks yeah. me off. Right. Yeah. That was me. I yeah. Apologize. Yeah. Willie, <laughs> a big old truck of yours, <laughs> but you know, like <clears throat> I, I, I'm always so quick to just make it about me. Don't you see I'm in a hurry? Mm-hmm. Don't you see that I have to be at this place at this time? And if I'm not there at this time, then my whole livelihood is at stake. Right. Right. Um, when, you know, like this person may be thinking the exact same thing. You know, yeah. This person is also on their way somewhere. Like, you know, like it's not, it's not just me and my situation, you know? So yeah. it, it really sometimes I just have to take myself out of the equation and be like, you know what? Like, yeah, I get it. Like I'm in a hurry. Like I'm trying to do this. Like, I don't know what this guy's doing, you know, whatever, but it's not, it's not all about cam. Like if I, if I make it all about cam, then shit just goes south. Seems to be the recipe. (laughs) So from time to time. Yeah. Uh, And you know, on that, you know, same note, like, we're responsible for the way that we react to that stuff. Bottom line, period. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and once we start getting a handle on it, it's our responsibility to kind of, um, nurture our, our ability to, to handle these situations. Because one of the things that you were talking about that kind of sparked an idea in me was like this idea that like, what if we never got angry? Right. Like, like what if, what if we didn't like, like what if anger is kind of, a sign that action needs to be done, right? Like, what if, what if the action that needs to be taken is, you know, if it is left unsaid, then what harm could, could befall us, right? Because if, if I never got angry at certain situations, then perhaps I become a doormat. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel like that sort of comes back to what I was saying, you know, is, is, is we have those, those times or those emotions that we're met with. And it's like, I, it's very important for me to let you know that I will not be treated like a doormat. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm going to get excessively angry right. and show you and show you just how angry I am so that you know, never to treat me this yeah. way again. You know? So again, like it, 
and and obviously we don't want that right like we don't want we don't want to be able to be stepped all over or taken advantage of or or whatever the situation is and and again it, it comes back to for me anyway it's like I, I sort of think about the serenity prayer in that instance like what things do I have control over and what things do I not you know and often your opinion of me is something I have no control over yeah but in that instance where I feel like you know am I being taken advantage of or am I not being taken advantage of? Like, I feel like I have the choice in that instance to make that decision myself. Well, you know, I get to decide that I am or am not and choose to respond accordingly. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, going back to, to the thing that I was talking about with Avery, you know, some good did come out of that. You know, it made it made us process to be better people, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be that fucking guy. She doesn't want to be that woman, you know. She and 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 so like that's a situation where we were able to take a negative thing, turn it into a positive thing, create a little bit better lifestyle around it, right? But that takes a lot of willingness. Like you have to be willing to to make these changes. If that's not who you want, you know, and you have to be willing to like stop making excuses for it. Like, well, you know, I'm, I'm angry because, and I deserve to be angry because of, Mm -hmm. you know, insert whatever, you know, I'm Italian or I grew up in a trailer park or I was, I, I, I got the wrong thing and anger. I think a lot of it, as we've seen with, with people that are in our lives, you know, sometimes anger can become this victim mindset where, like, oh, you know, this, this thing happened to me, this thing happened to me. So I, I deserve this emotion. And, you know, as I go through and, and I process and I ask for help and, and I try to be a better person and create the man that, that I would want my family to have the father that I would want my kids to have, I go through and I pick up little, um, tips and, and things along the way. And one of them is, you know, I have to be accountable to my thoughts I have to be accountable to my emotions and I have to be accountable to the way that I act in the world around me. And so, as you know, I recently got nine years sober, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I think. Congratulations uh, officially on the show. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, last year on on eight years, Avery forgot. Uh, And it's, it's an important day to me. Right. And so I was sharing with you how I was, I was pre-gaming my anger, you know, and, and, um, kind of setting up this scenario inside of my head so that I could be justifiably angry. And Mm -hmm. like, I played around with that and I had to come back around and be like, you know, I'm, I'm being a fuck, right? (laughs) Like I'm being, this is not okay. Like it hasn't even happened yet, Uh Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so all this stuff is a process into wellness. All this stuff is a process into to becoming the highest version of ourselves. And you really have to step back and use some of the tools that, that we've suggested on this show. Like, who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. And is anger one of those things that creates a better version of me mm-hmm. or a worse version of me? Right. And, and I think it's okay to have situations where we get upset or expectations are, are, are let down. But it's important for us to lay out what our expectations are and realize whether or not if they're um, justifiable, if they're, if they're realistic, if 
if they're serving others, are they selfish? You know, what are our expectations so that we don't need to do negative shit when we're angry? We don't need to lash out when we're angry and owe that amends. You know, we can process this stuff in real time mm-hmm. as it's happening in a positive way. And you and I are both proof of that because right. there's no fucking holes in the wall anymore. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> and there hasn't been for a long time. Like, it's very, very few and far between where I find myself getting as upset as I was in those instances, you know. But I really like, I really like talking about um, that story that you just shared because that was a very, very awesome phone call that we had where you talked about exactly what you were going to do when she forgot about your nine <laughs> years. And it was detailed. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was very thought out and very, you know, thorough in your actions as a response to her forgetting. And of course she didn't forget. She didn't forget. And you were sort of moved and blown away. And yeah. Very thankful. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, I've been there like, and, and it doesn't take much for me. And I think I was, I was driving the other day. I'd left a, I'd left a, a job and just had a lot of time to think and sort of daydream. And, and I just found myself, you know, in a similar situation to that where I'm getting angry over a situation that may happen. Yeah. Right. Like I've, I've taken this place into my mind. Well, if, if she says this, then I'm going to say this, and this is going to be my reaction. And then she will know that I, you know, and I can just build out this whole story, this whole event that, that in the end is very, very unlikely to actually occur. (laughs) But I mean, I, I, as I sit there and I think about it and I go through the process of what my actions will be in that instance to, to prove to this person a certain thing or to, to show them the lesson that they are to learn by reacting this way, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I begin to feel that negativity inside of me just by letting my mind sort of visit that, that idea, you know, like even though I'm not actually acting it out, I can begin to have a biological change in me based on letting my thoughts really run away from me into that negative space. Yeah. And so in that instance, this most recent encounter, and I wish I could remember exactly what the situation is. It's something, I'm sure it's something completely lunatic or trivial. Um, but in that most recent instance, I actually recognized it as it was happening. And I began really laughing, laughing out loud. I was <laughs> yeah. like, wow, I just made up that whole thing, didn't I? <laughs> like, that's pretty great. And sometimes I can actually, like, sometimes I will sort of use that. Like some, there's been, you know, moments in my life where I've found myself doing that and then I'll sort of craft it into a short story or, you know, something like that and really use that as, you know, a positive, um, you know, like that would actually be sort of fun. Like I'm already made a story out of it. Why not put it on paper and, and, you know, and craft something around it, you know? Um, but yeah, like I'm actually, I, I find myself pretty grateful that I'm able to recognize it today when it happens, mm-hmm. you know, and say, okay, if I, if I really let myself go with this, then it's not going to be, you know, a good thing. And I, I, I believe too, that there is such a thing as manifesting that stuff. If, if we, if we let ourselves go there, then we are likely to implement actions that will thus lead us to the exact situation that we've created in our minds, you know? Yeah. And so I have to be careful when I, when I find myself going there because it's like, well, if I continue to think this way, then that probably is what will happen. 
hate to make a liar out of myself. Right. Exactly. And very well put. Yeah. You know, and and it's important for us to remember too, man, like fucking anger can be intoxicating. Like I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, that, that made up scenario. And then I was thinking about how intoxicating anger can be for me and how anger can turn into rage. And one of the things that my coach talks about all the time, and I just love this because he's so right, is that you can make decisions in, 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 um, a moment's time that will cost you the rest of your life. Mm especially in anger and rage like like people can get hurt you can make really bad decisions on that intoxication and the next thing you know you're paying for that for the rest of your fucking life or or somebody else's life or whatever um the cost of acting out in anger and rage violently uh whether it be verbally violent or um, physically violent or uh internally violent right like like self-harm you know, in those situations can cost more than we can ever imagine, you know? And so it's super important that you get a handle on your anger, Mm -hmm. that you recognize what it is and what sets you off and, and whether it's serving you or protecting you or, you know, making your life worse or, or whatever, you know, like, like we said, right off the rip, bro, right off the beginning of this whole thing is anger, never, uh, uh, reacting, negatively in my anger never served me in a positive way right. i always ended up paying for it some way i always ended up regretting that you know something got broke someone got hurt there was some type of amends it cost money it cost mm-hmm. time all all those things and so you know even though sometimes these these warning signs of anger that some action needs to be taken can turn out positive it takes work and it takes like presence and and acknowledgement that there's something going on that that needs attention right yeah Yeah. so very well said like i i I really appreciate you saying that because i don't want to lose sight of the fact that that anger or a negative response to anger can have vastly vastly negative consequences that, that you're exactly right have the have the ability to impact our lives for forever. Yeah. And, you know, and we've seen that, like I, you know, we, we've seen that in people who have committed atrocious crimes, you know, murder in the heat of passion and, mm-hmm. you know, or, or whatever the case is because they find themselves in a situation where their anger is, is just so intense that they're literally no longer who they were before. Yeah. And they do things that they wouldn't normally do in that fit of emotion mm-hmm. and it can absolutely cost them everything in their life. Yeah. People around. Yeah. yeah so, sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting to think about, but I want to talk today, um, about our war story because yeah. this comes from, uh, from rich. Rich is the man. He's a, rich is a friend of mine. So, yeah. And, and once in a while we'll get stories from friends of ours. And so it's, it's an honor to, to get his. Yeah, I really liked his story, man. He's a very, very passionate dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I, I, when I after I listened to his story, I was sort of energized. I was like, <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah. Let's do yeah. this, man. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy, and, and and there's some some anger in his story. You know, he didn't touch on it very uh, detailed, but when uh, when his family comes to him with you know how he's making them feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he wasn't ready right you know for for that at that moment right you know, at, mm-hmm. at the moment of walking through the doors of the intervention but uh he became ready and i think that he could probably tell it better than anybody else but yeah i just uh, i love his energy i'm so grateful to get to talk to him every day and 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 be on the same program and and all that stuff so yeah and i really appreciated that part of his story where he shared he shared that and and, and you guys will hear it it's it's great um you know he talks about the relationship to the vice yeah and uh, and i definitely remember feeling that way you know like it this may be killing me this thing that i do this drugs and alcohol it may be killing me but it's mine yeah and you can't have it i'll change it when i'm damn good and ready to like like a girlfriend yep exactly Anyways, that's just one part of this amazing story. We're going to let Rich tell it to you. So without further ado, this is Rich's War Story. So my name is Richard Costas. I live in Northern California. I'm 37 now. And I used to suffer from alcoholism. Being addicted to partying was my main thing. I was addicted to the party life, addicted to the fear of missing out. And it really started for me at the age of 28. I had been in a long-time relationship. Let me start right here. I grew up in a good family, great parents, upper middle class, provided everything I could have ever wanted, you know, loved me unconditionally, um, always, always unconditionally. So I had every opportunity growing up. And I did fairly well, you know, in high school, I was a great wrestler. I went, I became a, I started at a hotel. And within two years, I was managing the hotel, three hotels. And then I left that, met a girl. We were together for about four years. And then we moved to Vegas together, Las Vegas. At the age of 28, we broke up. And I decided I'm going to go on a month-long binge. You know, I'm going to go on a month-long binge because I deserve it. I'm single. And that binge went from when I was 28 till about two weeks before I turned 35. And... Wow. Let me tell you something. I became during that process, I slowly observed myself go from being someone who I had respect for to becoming a person I never thought I'd become. You know, I remember some of my my hardest points in Vegas. I would wake up at two in the afternoon. I worked in the restaurant industry. I worked on the Las Vegas Strip in a huge restaurant. And I'd wake up at two in the afternoon, just hung over in a blanket of shame, just hating my life, hating my own guts. Just like I did it again. I went out last night. I spent all my money. I did a bunch of alcohol, drugs, alcohol, drinking, did exactly what I said I wasn't going to do. And I wake up with this hangover and this unbearable shame and just feeling of despair and hopelessness. I'd wake up at two. I'd order a pizza and I had a car, but it was broke down, but. I was making good money, but because I was partying all the time, I never fixed my car. So I'd order a pizza and just feel like crap. And then I'd start walking to the bus stop, 30 something years old, walking to the bus and uh, just feeling depressed and demoralized, smoking cigarettes, get to the bus stop. I'd be sitting there like trying to hide behind a shrub because I'm embarrassed to be at the bus, you know, get on the bus. And it's not the best energy on the buses. Get to the Las Vegas Strip. I'd walk a mile to work and I'd stop in a different casinos on the way and take shots and drinks and beers. By the time I got to work, I have a buzz going. I get to work, 
sit in the cooler for like five minutes, the big walk-in cooler, and then uh, go to the bartender and be like, hey, pour me a fat one. They'd pour me like that much alcohol. Start my shift like that. Halfway through the shift, me and my homies, we order some Coke, ecstasy, be popping pills, always drinking and partying during the shift. Get off work at one in the morning. My exit was on to the Las Vegas Strip, which is popping, or into a casino, which is popping. And it's one in the morning, you're with your homies, so you're going to party. End up partying all night till six in the morning, seven in the morning, eight in the morning, nine in the morning. Say, I'm never going to do this again. I hate myself. Wake up to just repeat the process. I did that for years, did that for years. And then I went to Chile for six months. I was happy for two months. Then I I was right back to where I was, suffering with alcoholism because everywhere I went, there I was. And really, I lived this life and I just kept getting worse and worse, kept going down to this hole. I never thought I was going to get out of it. I truly remember living with my parents at 34, waking up and being like, thinking you were 23, running three hotels on reality shows. Now you're 34 living with your parents. How the heck did I get here? I couldn't fathom it. And I was just like, I'm never going to get out of this. Like it was just so heavy, the pain and the shame and regret. It was just demoralizing, man. But, um, it all ended one day. (laughs) I remember I'd uh, been sailing for two months, partying like crazy. I took an Amtrak across the United States broke couldn't even afford a freaking sandwich on this seven day amtrak trip um and i get home uh, on the on the amtrak i wrote to myself i'm never drinking again i'm never partying again i still have the thing on my phone and i uh, got back to my hometown and i immediately started partying again just you know just like we always do right say we're gonna do this say we're gonna do that and uh started partying again and two weeks after that i was like three weeks before my 35th birthday get a call from my parents They're like hey rich can you come by and we just want to have a little chat i'm like sure no problem go over and as i walk in i'm like i can sense the energy i'm like this ain't no normal meeting yo you know i'm like this ain't <laughs> something's up here and i'm already so i'm like as you as anyone who's watching this has any sort of addiction problem and your defense is on high you're like tensed up because you know some shit's about to go down and so like they have, they bring out some letters and they're just reading to me. Like we've lent you money X, X, X amount of times. You always say you're going to pay us back and you never have, you know, and they're just hitting me with daggers that were all true. And I love my parents. And I never raised my voice to my parents ever. So I'm just sitting there taking it and I'm getting mad, but it's all true. So what am I going to say? And then the thing that hit me the hardest that I'd never once considered is when they said the way you're living, the way you live worries us concerns us hurts us i'd never once considered that and my denial my delusion my self-centered greed just selfish way of living i never once considered how i was living was hurting them and when i heard that it was just like a freaking getting slammed in the face of the brick i just felt like the biggest loser ever and uh I was still mad. I was still mad about the whole situation because when you party with alcohol and drugs, it becomes like a girlfriend. It be, it's like a relationship. It's not just a substance. It's like that thing is with you. You have that wherever you go. It's part of you and it becomes you and you can't imagine life without it. So the idea of someone trying to take it from you, man, that, that ego just 
oh, you just jump up and you're like, hell no, hell no. But there was just, I've been, I've been wanting to quit for a while. I just couldn't. And at this time when they said that, I was like, I got to be done. So that was June 18th or 17th, 2018. And uh, called my homie Roman up, my best friend. I'm like, I'm, I'm done, bro. I'm done. He's like, I'll quit with you. And I called my other homie up, best friend Gary Rhodes up, because we had booked a trip down to Antigua because he's a sailor of a cop, a boat. And we we're going to take a boat from Antigua, which is down below the uh, Virgin Islands, up to Rhode Island. And I knew if I went on that trip, I wasn't going to stop partying. So I'd be like, sorry, I can't go. And that was the beginning of me being sober. And Mike, I'll tell you this. When I first got sober, it was like getting out of high school. It's like, who am I? What am I going to do? Like, I had no idea who I was. And so I was like, what do I do? And all I had ever heard of was AA. So I'm like, I guess I'll go to AA. So I went to AA and I was just like this, just pissed. Just like this bullshit dude like and i go in there and uh two things happened one when i heard you can never drink again i was really pissed <laughs> i thought they were gonna like fix me and i'd be able to drink but then when i heard people telling their stories it was like medicine for me because like damn i relate to this i related to their stories they were like me and so for the next 90 days i went to like two to three aa meetings a day it was helpful i never went through the steps but after about 90 days, it ran its course. I was like, okay, I, I feel like this ran its course. I got what I needed out of this. And then it, from then on, it was just a, a, like self-discovery because I, for 10, 12 years, drank and partied and had this identity that like, I thought I was cool. I thought I was a pimp. I thought I was smooth. You know what I'm saying? I, I, and I didn't realize I was just an insecure loser. And when you get sober for four or five months and you really start realizing like, dude, I was not cool. Like I've been a loser for a long time. I thought I was something I'm not. And then it's like looking in the mirror for the first time and actually seeing your face. You're like, this is who I, I am and was, and it's hard to deal with. Um, but I, so I'm continuing this journey. I'm taking classes at the college, looking for external ways to find who I am. And at first it's good. Like I'm getting stimulation out of it. Then after three months that wears off, I'm taking online course sales courses online. For the first month or two, it's it's great. I'm getting stimulation, but then it wears off. And I'm just searching, man. I'm searching for like, who am I? Like, what the heck is my purpose in this life, dude? Like, I don't get it. I'm going to Tony Robbins events and that they were amazing. I met great people and I was learning stuff about myself, but I still was like, what's my purpose, dude? I don't know who I am. I'm, I'm traveling. I'm doing good. I'm making good money. I'm, I'm, I'm my own boss now and I'm doing better than I've ever done, but I'm not fulfilled. And um, so I'm just still searching. I'm like, I hear about this plant medicine called ayahuasca. So about, I think I was about, just, I want to say 18 months. No, no, this must've been 12 months into being sober. I booked a trip to Columbia and I went down and uh, I went to Colombia and I did ayahuasca, which is a plant medicine that's been used in South America for thousands of years. And the idea is that it, it really purges you, makes, cleans you out, but it forces you to deal with what you've been avoiding your whole life. And it takes you to a place you need to go. And it was a very powerful experience. Um, taught me a lot about myself, my ability to endure adversity. And I learned some very powerful things. And when I left there, I continued traveling through South America for two months, well, mainly Colombia and Peru. 
And on that trip, I dealt with being, because when you travel alone, it's like you're a lot of, you know, packing and learning new places and meeting new people. And the emotions are ups and downs because like you're on a high, you meet a friend or a girl and you're really stoked. And then you, you know, you have to leave this town. Then you're lonely again. Then you get to know this town. You feel good. And then you have to leave the town. It's like ups and downs. And so I was dealing with adversity, but I was seeking, finding myself through outside sources. And, um, but the thing I was proud of is what was really cool about being sober, uh, and traveling was I, once we party enough, you have like x-ray vision and you can tell when someone's drinking, you can tell when someone's coked out, you can tell when someone's whatever, cause you've done it so much that you just know, you just know. So I'm traveling through, I went to 16 different cities and towns in Colombia and Peru. And there's lots of tourists, especially in places like Cartagena and you're walking down the street and they see a white, the whitest dude in the world with a big ass red beard. They know him a tourist. Like, amigo, quiere la coca, coca la mota, que quiere, que quiere. And I'm just like, nah, I, I'm good, bro. I'm good enough. And there's in your face, I'm like, no, really, I'm good. I don't need that shit. And I'd also look around, see these foreigners walking around. Like you can see they're coked out, like looking for that, looking for all God knows what. And they're just there. They're slaves to it. Like they can't even enjoy this beautiful country they're in because they're so slaves to it. And it reminded me of how I used to travel. I remember one time I had sailed from Florida to Cancun, myself and another guy. And when we got there, I took off, went traveling through Mexico alone. I go to this little island called Isla Mujeres, beautiful small island. I'm basically walking around hammered and coked out the whole time. I met a jewelry dealer who had a Coke, basically sold Coke out of it. And out of the shop, and I'm just coked out, walking around drunk the whole time. I live there. I go to Playa del Carmen. I'm sitting at a bar next to these two chicks, these two girls, and they're showing these dope pictures. I'm like, that's gorgeous. Where is that? They're like, oh, it's Isla Mujeres, the same island I was just at. And I had no idea because all I did was party, right? So, um, so I'm now in Colombia. And I'm just traveling around free. I don't need alcohol. I don't need weed. I don't need Coke. I don't need shit. And it was a very powerful, beautiful feeling because this was the first time I'd ever traveled. And I've done a lot of traveling where I did it right. I did everything I wanted to do. I traveled to 16 different places. I made a last minute trip to Peru, traveled to four different places. And when I got back to, to America, it was the first time I ever came back from a trip where I had no regret. I was completely content with how I live because I did everything I wanted to do. I didn't party and waste all my time and just wake up in a blunder every day and ashamed and regretting myself. So I get back and during I was in Columbia, I had come across this guy named Wes Watson on YouTube. He was on this uh, interview with this guy, Big Hurt. And I, as a, it's like a prison uh, show, people who are fresh out of prison, what it's called. And he's Big Hurt's interviewing this big, just buff, tatted guy. His name is Wes Watson. And I'm like, dude, who is this guy? Like, it's just like, boom, just energy coming at me. I'm like, there's something about this guy like that. I just was so engaged and compelled. Like, it like changed me just watching that first interview. And so I was like, dude, it just made me, I was like, I just started researching him, come to find out he like, he had these programs for helping people change their life and find their purpose. And and uh, so I started digging into it and I found like he had like a little community and then he had like a, he do these question and answers every weekend. You could be a part of this membership. And I was like, 
all right. I was nervous to do it because I didn't know anything about him. He, and on the outside, he's a he's a savage, dude. He's a big buff dude who was in prison for 10 years, you know. But he truly loves and cares about helping people. And so um, I started working with him. And this is when my life really changed. This is when my life really changed. This was about eight months ago, March or February, March of 2008. I get back 2020. I get back from South America and um, I start following his program. He has a macros program, which basically you, you manage the amount of carbs, fats, and proteins that you eat on a daily basis, which helps you get ripped, very physical, physically shredded. On top of that, he has you doing a very early wake up time and uh, reading positive content and working out really hard. Now, why is this important? Why am I sharing this? The reason is this, because each one of those aspects create adversity, create adversity within our life, intentional adversity that we have to overcome every day. So every day I started waking up early at that time, I was around 4.30 in the morning. I'd go into like, I'd do some positive reading, some journaling, I'd eat my first meal, and then I go into a hard workout. And the thing about the macros is you have a certain amount of fats, proteins, and carbs you can eat a day. So you have to be weighing all your food. And five times a day, you have to choose purpose of eating something that's going to fit your macros or pleasure that's going to eat some crappy food that's going to screw you up. And it's incredibly hard to not eat the food you want to eat, the pizza, the chocolate, the ice cream. Like it, caught, it makes you create this high level of discipline and it makes you go deep within your freaking soul to choose what's hard. And so this is what starts happening. You start realizing like, I'm showing up for myself every day. I'm waking up early. I'm doing the things I said I was gonna do. I'm working out hard. I'm hitting these macros. And then you start seeing the weight come off. You start seeing yourself get shredded. And you're like, holy shit, like this is working. But the thing that happens is after you get physically shredded, the feeling from that goes away. And you start to realize like it's not it's, it's about being shredded. Yes, because it's a standard. And we like to say there's no better resume than a, a physically shredded body. Right. But it's the lifestyle you have to adhere to the early wake up time. So when I wake up in the morning at three thirty now, there's not many mornings I want to get up at three thirty. I mean, people like to say I'm not a morning person. Like, I don't want to get up at three thirty, but I know I have to to win. So I get up at three thirty. I'm like, oh, within 10 seconds, I do this and I smile because I'm like. I haven't been awake for more than 10 seconds and I stacked my first win. And I go straight into doing my ceremony. I'll light some sage and I'll say myself a couple of little sayings and prayers. Then I'll go straight into, I'll write a post, something positive. And then I'll go straight and eat my first meal, which is English muffin with coconut oil, freaking uh, protein drink with cacao powder and cinnamon. And then I go straight into reading and journaling. And then I do 100 burpees. I lead a, I lead a group burpee sessions where we do 100 burpees with push-ups. Why do we do that? Because it's hard and because it creates this positive mental attitude, this high rate of vibration. All these steps I'm going through, I'm stacking wins, stacking wins, stacking wins, overcoming adversity, which every time you have to overcome adversity, you have to go within, go within to find yourself. And then I go to the gym, hit a hard workout, and then all day I'm choosing Purpose over pleasure with my meals. So what this causes you to do is it causes you to, it forces you to go within, to, 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 to forge a path within to yourself where you have to go within and find the strength to overcome these daily wins every day. Some days are very hard, like today was. I was struggling today with the food, but and then some days aren't so hard. 
but you create this pathway to within to where you start to know yourself. What happens when you show up for yourself every morning, every day, and you do what you say you're going to do? I'll tell you what happens. You start to love yourself, respect yourself. You start to be able to rely on yourself. You start to know who you are. And when you have these things happen, it creates this unstoppable power. This, I like to call it your super freaking powers because now you are the source. Now I am the source. I'm not looking for some external drug to make me feel good. I'm not looking for some external food, some vice to make me feel good, some show. I'm looking within. I'm looking to overcome. I'm looking to go within to overcome, to make me feel good. And so now my life really is simple. What I used to think was important was like having, like first it was the party, the drugs, the girls. I used to like think I was cool hooking up with girls. Now I just look at that and it's like, you were just freaking insecure, pathetic loser, bro. Like it's not cool to be like, I hooked up with this many girls. Like that's lame, dude. Hey, when you're maybe in your high school or you're 20, hey, I get it. That's what you do, right? But when you're 33 and you're like, yeah, I hooked up with this girl. It's like, come on, man, grow up. But now it's like, I take pride in the fact that I go through my process every day. I take pride in the fact that I'm living in such a manner that inspires others to live better, inspires others to want to be better. And so if I could share anything with anyone watching this is to understand that you're talking about a guy who was 34, almost 35, broke, borrowing money from his family, smoking two packs of smokes a day, drinking every day, doing coke four or five days a week, popping, basically whatever, whatever was around, popping ecstasy, popping pills. Just hating my life, truly believing in my heart and in my mind that I was never going to stop. Like, I truly believed, like, my best years had passed. And I never thought I was going to be out of it. And it was just like, I was so confused because it was like, dude, you were young and successful. What the fuck happened to you, bro? Why can't you stop? Why do every day you wake up saying you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you let yourself down? I went from that over 12 years of that. I mean, it's easy when you hear 12 years, but really think for those of you who are watching this, I went from that to now becoming someone who's successful, running my own business, supporting myself off my own business. I'm a leader of people. I'm a leader of men and women. I lead people. People look to me for advice. The people in my small town that used to like be disappointed in who I'd become. Now they come to me for the fucking strength, for the advice. So understand this as I'm wrapping up here. Understand this. I don't care where you are, how low you are, you can change your life. If you're willing to do the work, first starts with this. You got to be able to admit that you're the fucking problem. No one else is the problem. You're the problem. So start pinpointing where you're dropping the ball, where your weaknesses are. Because once you can admit you're the problem and you can take responsibility for it, you can change. Until that freaking point, you'll never change. So take ownership for it, okay? And then start with imperfect action. Who cares if you don't know what you're going to do? Just start taking action. Go to AA, read books, do whatever you got to do. Just start doing something. And then start with a morning process. Start waking up hella early, reading a good book, eat, find out how to eat macros. You can YouTube it, okay? And then work out really hard. Start there and do it every day. Don't ever give up and watch your life change. Watch your life change. I do it. I see it happen every day in the community I'm in. It's a fact. So if you don't make it happen, that's on you and your weak-ass excuses. I say that with love, okay? But it's on you and your weak-ass excuses. So don't be the guy that lets your family down anymore. Lastly, if you want to find me, 
You can find me on Instagram at Richard at Rich Costas, or I have a website, richcostas.com. Check me out. Shoot me a DM. I'll help you if I can. But again, I want you to understand this. I'll say one last time. I don't care how low you are. I don't care where you're at in your life. You can change your life. And if you're not, if you're thinking, if you if you're thinking of excuses right now, as I'm saying this, that's the victim mindset right there. We found your problem. Much love. Let's go. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, it's on you. It's on you. I really appreciate that, dude. And he's like, right. He's he's absolutely okay. right. Yeah. Like he, I just love. I love the way that he. He he tells his story, man. Yeah. in such an energetic way, and and uh, you can tell that he really wants to help people. Yeah, a lo- and, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't want to hear the hard truth. Like mm-hmm. he's putting it out there, like fucking, you got to stop making the excuses. You got to stop. You got to put the shit down. You know, and one of the things, you know, I'm fortunate uh, that he and I have the same coach. And so we get kind of taught the same way. And that's a big part of it is taking that hard responsibility of like, you know, we were sober, but looking for more, you know, and he goes through all the, all the ways that he looked for more, Mm -hmm. you know, he looked for more and they were all great ways, you know, meetings did, did the 90 and 90, you know, tried that out and he got a lot out of it. And then Tony Robbins convention, like I'd love to go to a Tony. Yeah, I know. Me too. Check that out, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, but it, it wasn't easy by any means, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like we were talking, uh, I can't remember. It must've been a little while ago, but talking about like that, that whole planning the binge or fucking stepping into, I'm going to, I'm going to do this for a month. He says, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that where he would just decided, he decided, you know, made that conscious decision where, you know, he just gotten out of a relationship. Yep. He decides I'm going to go on a, on a bender for a month and then <laughs> turned into seven years, <laughs> which is not a surprise. Yeah. Like I've definitely been yeah. there where it's like, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a binge one night, yeah, just one night. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, I'm like, what the fuck did I do? Yeah. Like, what was that about? seven years later yeah what the fuck happened in my life and and we end up in that place that he was talking about you know going home with shit nothing mm-hmm. not even enough money to buy a sandwich on a train at least he could get on a train yeah like I, and who knows what that took but mm-hmm. you know i love that he got to travel around so much and and really find himself and try so many different ways and and now he's found the thing that really, really works for him. Yeah, yeah. And it's just dope. It's such an honor to know him. You know, I got so much out of his story, even though I hear bits and pieces of it. And we do this with some people that we know. Like, we get to hear some of their story from time to time. And then when it's laid out in a in a platform like this, it's like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Again, wow. You know, living in Vegas would be a motherfucker for yeah, me. Yeah, I can't imagine. And, and it sounds like he really he moved there for the party. You know, like he went there with the intention of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna live in Vegas. Yeah. You know, because he was addicted to the party lifestyle. That's what. Yeah, and, and he admits that. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's hard for me to imagine living any other way in Vegas. Right. But I mean, but that's just me. Obviously, there are people that do it. Yeah. But I, I, I because I'm an alcoholic, because I. You know, I, all that sinful stuff just totally appeals to me. It's the city of sin. I can't imagine any other way. Yeah. But, uh, man, I really loved his story. And, 
And, and, and I think it's important too, that we, we recognize that everybody has their own journey and that it is important that you find whatever resonates with you. And like this, this program that he and you and a couple other people that we've talked to are, are on, you know, in this individual, Wes Watson, um, who is a, a, a great, um, person that can help anybody with their lives, but it's not for everybody. Sure. You know? And yeah. it's just like 12 steps is not for everybody. Right. Yeah. You know? And, and that there isn't one way to do, to do the, uh, to do, to recover. You right. Know? One thing that I have seen that seems to be consistent and everybody that we talk to, no matter how they, they get sober is that they have always taken a real fucking rigorous look at themselves. Yeah. You know, in AA, we do it through an inventory. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in his case, he said that he had to take this rigorous look at himself, and he and he did the ayahuasca again. Like this is the second time we've had somebody on the show yeah. who did ayahuasca, and he experienced you know a version of himself that you know he found to be you know a higher, higher version of himself that he you know he said he said then that he went on this trip and really experienced this trip came back with no regrets mm -hmm. and it really made me think about like, you know, how many trips have I gone on where I came back and just <laughs> going, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Or I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know, I love, I love, yeah. The, I love the part where he's looking at the pictures of the Island. He was just on with those girls and he's like, wow. And he was just there and he missed the whole fucking thing. Right. You know, that's what we do with our lives. We miss the whole thing. Yep. Yep. You know, we miss it all and, and we hurt people and, we, we let our loved ones down and, and the people that matter most go on the wayside and we live this selfish, just delusional life of, of what we think is important and we end up in so much fucking pain that we become willing to do something different, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful that, that Rich found that point because I get so much from him and I get so much from the show. I'm so grateful that like we found the other side of this table that we're over here now. Mm-hmm and not out there mm -hmm. and it's a process and i and i love hearing how many different ways there are to do this mm -hmm. you know however it seems like continuing to drink and use does not work right yeah like that's gotta go we haven't once had anybody on here <laughs> <laughs> that has said you know what i went back to it and it's still working for me yeah um, you know what I really liked, and I think that this is this is this is important. And I think uh, again, you know, it may be something that we've found consistent in everybody's sort of path to to this is that you know intentional adversity mm -hmm. is something he talked about a lot. You know, which is a part of, uh, of the program that he does, and and it's a part of a program of AA. It may not be physical adversity, but it's definitely emotional. Yeah. and mental adversity like we have to to do the work we have to look at the hard stuff and we have to really investigate these these parts of our lives in order to move past them and become you know the the people that we want to be yeah and so it's it was it's great to hear that and it's a good reminder that that you know by doing the uncomfortable thing we grow yeah it's necessary mm -hmm. it's the only way we grow Mm -hmm. I found. Yeah, I found as well. Doing, like, doing hard shit on purpose. Doing hard shit. Yeah. Yep. What, what was that saying? If you do what is easy, life will be hard. If you do what is hard, life will be easy. Yeah. Is that Les Brown? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I yeah. like that. And I, I, I choose hard because 
I don't want what I used to have and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to not go back to that person. It's still in there. Yeah. The option's still there. I'm just not going to choose it today. Faux show. Faux show. I love it, brother. Love it, man. And and thank you, Rich, for your story. Rich. And uh, and I, I think that there's a lot of people out there that are going to get a lot from it, so thanks. Yeah. Um, but there you go, man. There you go. Another episode. Calm down. Bank. Yeah. Just calm down. Well, I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, everybody. Just calm down. Hey, everybody out there in the world. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Yeah. If you're driving right now, just take a deep breath. Calm down. And recognize that that person in front of you also has somewhere to go. Yeah. They might be angrier than you are. Yeah. And also recognize that, you know, like we're not Jesus. We're not perfect. Yeah. So if you get angry, it's okay. Yeah. Don't condemn yourself for it. It's cool. How about that? Yeah. I love it. Okay. Thanks, Cameron. Thank you, man. I was just going to like really put this super, super pointed shout out to our man, Jordan. Yeah. Who is the fucking man back comes, there. Comes out week after week to really help us button this thing together. Yeah. And it'd be hard to know what to do without him. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, like, comment, let your friends know we're out here. If you have suggestions for the show, topics that you want to talk about or hear us talk about, leave them in the comments. DM us on Instagram at the other side of hell 101. Same Facebook, other side of hell 101. You can email us at the other side of hell at gmail.com. And if you want to tell your story like Rich told his story, again, DM us on any of those and I'll get back to you. Cameron will get back to you. We'll figure something out. We'll, we'll get a time set up and we'll have you uh, tell your story on our platform so that the audience and the world can hear your amazing story. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Let's get them out there. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. (laughs) And with that, remember that you are worth the work. We will see you on the other side.